pandemic, a contentious election cycle, a divisive media on both the right and the left, endless arguments over social issues, church division and arguments. If there was ever a time in the history of our society when we needed more of the Spirit in our lives, it's now. This series is a study of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. We're talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And we're talking about how we can have more of these things in our lives. Thank you for joining us as we talk about life by the Spirit. I didn't, I forgot to ask Caroline which service she's going to be in. So are you in here by chance, Caroline? I think she usually comes to the second service, but that's Caroline Boucher, and she will, and you can literally be baptized anytime you're ready. Like, as soon as you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you're ready to be baptized. So as soon as you believe in Jesus, you're ready to be baptized, and anytime you want to make that happen, you just, we usually use the Connect cards mostly, but she marked on the Connect card several weeks ago, I'm ready to be baptized, and we met together, talked about that, and and scheduled a time. So anytime you're ready to do that, you can do that. Uh, kids, if you missed that announcement, we did dismiss children's ministry. So if there's any kids still hanging out going, hey, I don't want to have to listen to this guy talk. I understand. And uh, you probably don't want to hear the next story. So uh, kids, children's ministry is, is dismissed at this time. We're in a new series called Life by the Spirit. And last Sunday, I ended the message by telling a story about junior high volleyball game. And, and it was a little story about my nephew, who was in, got in a little trouble by the official, he wasn't doing anything wrong, but he was gotten in trouble by the official, and I was kind of, you know, the uncle being defensive about that, and it was the story of, like, the, the battle that all of us have between the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, and the devil was whispering what I should say to the official, and the angel was like, no, 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 please don't do that, and uh, I, thankfully, I listened to the angel in that time, because I had, if I had listened to the devil uh, it would have not ended well. I probably would have got kicked out of a middle school volleyball game, which uh, would have been an interesting story to tell. But after that sermon was over, you know, my parents attend this church. So after that sermon was over, uh, I was just talking, and Dad came up to me and said, hey, that was, uh, you know, that was, that was really good. Um, you should have told the story about the time you got kicked out of the restaurant. You remember that one? And I'm like, no. What, what? He goes, yeah, you and the hostess got into it because... She wanted you to sit over here, and you wouldn't do it. You don't remember that one? And as he's telling that story, my mom comes up and says, that was, that was really good, son. Uh, you should have told the story about that time you got kicked out of the photo shoot. You remember that one? And I'm like, how many stories like this exist? And, and the sad thing was, I do remember that one, and uh, I am going to tell it. Because we're talking about self-control today, so let me just, the, the statute of limitations has run out on this. So this was 20 years ago. At least that this happened. But my mom had scheduled a photo shoot in Nashville. And it was the whole family. So it was mom, dad, me and Jenny. Uh, Lily was a toddler at the time. That's important to the story. And uh, my brother and my sister. And so we all get dressed up. We drive up to Nashville for this photo shoot. And when we get there, the photographer was um, very confident in his abilities. That's the way I'll put it. And so he, he was very confident in his abilities. And he said... Listen, I've worked with all kind of toddlers before. I know how to do this. Um, you let me handle the toddler. You guys go over and get set up. We're going to get you set up exactly like you want. Don't worry about the toddler. 
And then once we got you guys set up, I'll bring her into the, I've done this a hundred times, I know how to do this. And so he brought us over to one side of the room, and we all got set up, and he posed us exactly. And Lily was over playing in a corner with something. At some point, Lily looked over and saw all of us across on the other side of the room, and we were standing awkwardly in these poses and like not moving, and it just freaked her out just a little bit. And she didn't understand what was going on, so Lily started crying. And he's like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, I got her, you just, you just stay right there. We'll get her in just a minute. And so she's, she's crying, and I'm like, you know, the dad, new dad, and it's like, you know, my daughter's crying, what am I supposed to be doing here? And I'm like, I, I think she's crying because she doesn't understand why we're over. He's like, don't, mm-mm, don't worry about it, I got this, it's fine. I'm like, no, but I, I, just, I think if I go just go pick her up and bring her over here, she'd be, don't go pick her up. And go to, if you would just let me talk to her, I think I could explain to her, no, don't go talk to her, I got this, I got this. So we're having a little verbal altercation about uh, Lily and what we're going to do here. And finally, I said something like, just let me get her. And he said, just let me do my job. And I looked him square in the eyes and said, why don't you shut up? And the, the air went out of the room, like, because <laughs> my, my family sucked it out of the room. Like, my mom was like, oh, what just happened? And I honestly, and kids, don't say that word. There's kids in the room. I see that. That's why I told you to go to children's ministry. Uh, don't, don't say that word. That's a bad word. Bad preacher. Um, but I don't remember what happened after that. I only remember ending up at Rafferty's. That's all I remember about that story. We did not fight, I promise. We did not fight. I know that we also did not get our picture taken, and we also did not get our deposit back. But we did have a very nice lunch at Rafferty's. Because we were all dressed up, and so we went out to eat. But we laugh about it now. And as you, mom brought it up. And so she brings up that story last week, and I was like, Mom, I'm preaching about self-control next week. And she said, but you've always been like that. Like, you've always been obstinate and stubborn, and, you know, if somebody said something to you, you always wanted to say something back. You wanted to get back at them. Like, you've always been like that. And I was like, well, how in the world am I going to preach about self-control when I've always been like that? And I got to thinking about it. I posted a little joke about it on on social media earlier in the week. But I got to thinking about it. Who of us in this room doesn't have a problem with self-control at some point in our lives? Or or on some level, every single one of us have some type. Like, there are times in our lives where we say too much, where we can't hold our tongue. There are times when we, uh, we eat too much, we drink too much. We uh, can't restrain ourselves. I mean, like all of us have some, and the problem with self-control is it's so broad. Like it's such an expansive category because you can talk about really, you know, big issues of self-control that, that fall into areas of addiction or sexual morality or um, anger or those kinds of things. Or we can talk about smaller issues of self-control but are just as devastating like, I can't, my debt is out of control because I can't stop spending so much. Or um, I can't stop, uh, I can't, uh, overscheduling is an area of self-control. Why I can't say no to people. I, I can't, I just keep, I just keep adding stuff to the calendar and adding stuff to the schedule. And so all of us struggle with this issue. And I, I chose to start with self-control because we're doing these in reverse order. Because I'm trying to play this out with Advent. But I'm really glad that I did start with self-control because if you think about it, it encompasses most of the rest, not just the fruits of the Spirit, but I was thinking about more the, the other list that Paul gives in Galatians. The other list that Paul gives is the acts of the sinful nature. 
And if you look at the acts of the sinful nature, if you look at that list, self-control or a lack of self-control characterizes nearly every single one of the items on that list, the acts of the sinful nature. I meant to read last week from the message version. The, I, I read that list from, I think it's Galatians 5, 19 through 21. But I read it from uh, the NIV. I meant to read it from the message, and I want to read it from the message today. I'm going to put it on the screen. And you take a look at this and tell me if all of these things are not characterized. As a matter of fact, he starts the whole list by saying, let me tell you what happens when you don't have any self-control. Look at this. It's obvious what kind of life develops when you're trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved. Are there more on that list? Keith, thank you. Divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. Like when you look through that list, when you compare the list to the acts of the sinful nature and you compare that to the acts of the fruit of, or the spirit, it's like you look at that list and go, well, love is the answer to, to a lot of those. Uh, joy is the answer to some of them, for sure. Peace is the answer to some of them. Gentleness is the answer to some of them. But self-control is the answer to nearly every single one of them. Like it just kept coming up over and over and over again. Like this is self-control is, is, it touches on every single one of those. If you think about it, I mean, sin is what? It's a rebellion against God's will for our lives. It's saying, no, that's what you want, God, but I'm going to do what I want in this situation. You want me to hold my tongue, but I'm going to say something because I feel like my ego, it, it, you know, it's going to be bruised if I don't say something here. You want me not to do this, but I'm going to do this. And so that, I mean, that's, that's basically sin is sin comes from a lack of self-control so this is such a huge area uh, that we're talking about today and it's it's so so important uh and it's much easier said than done like when we think about self-control uh all of us probably got a story out there of a time where we lost it and it may may not have been anger that, that we lost it with is just that we've all got a time of when we lost it. We've all got regrets. I just started a new book this morning about regrets, and I was thinking about how many of our regrets are because we had a lack of self-control. Like, I just lost it in that moment, and, I, and I'm sorry. I mean, how many of them are, are that nature? Um, but I ran across a study that talks about, I, I just, I Googled studies on self-control because I was just curious, kind of like, what's out there? What kind of research has been done out there? And I ran across one from 1972 called the Marshmallow Test. Have you guys heard of this study? You've probably heard of it because it's probably the most famous psychological study done. It was done at Stanford in uh, 1972. And what they did was they took kids, toddlers, and they put them in a room. And the researcher came in and put a marshmallow in front of them and said, you can have this marshmallow now or anytime. But if you wait until I get back, I'll give you a second one. So you can have one now, or you can have one after I get back. And then they left the room for 15 minutes and left this kid alone with the marshmallow and their, their self-control. 
And uh, I was reading about the study in these journals and thought, man, I wish, I wish they would have videoed that. Because <laughs> wouldn't they? I mean, I love to see the video reactions of that. And in 1972, they didn't video it. But I went to YouTube and found out that a lot of people have recreated the experiment. And there was a church that recreated it, and they did video it. And just, here it is, watch. Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? All right. It's up to you. You can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair. Okay? Okay. So I'm gonna leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you to give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. My favorite one was the little redhead girl that didn't even hesitate. Like, she was eating it before she got out of the room. Because I'm like, that's me. I mean, that's what I, you know how people got bowls of candy sitting out. Some of you guys got bowls of candy on your kitchen table or your dining room table. That does not exist in the Adcox household. Because I cannot, I will not they, they do not survive. Like, you know how difficult it's been during Not So Scary, all this candy. It's just laying around in bins all around the church. I mean, it's crazy. Tammy brought one of them into the office, and she's like, 
somebody opened this bag of candy, so we can't use this one, so we're going to put this in the, the office. I'm like, that, that's weird, Tammy. Who would do that? Wow, so insensitive. Um, but the interesting thing, here, you know what, here's what's interesting about the marshmallow test. It was a 20 to 30-year study. So they followed these kids into adulthood, and the results of the test were that kids who had um, more self-control tended to do better on standardized tests, tended to uh, have less, you know, behavioral problems, and generally were more successful in life, while kids who had less impulse control experienced the opposite. Now, if you're going to preach a message on self-control, man, that's gold right there, isn't it? I mean, that's, I mean, there it is right there. Just have self-control and you'll be successful in life. But then I started digging just a little more and found out that this, this whole uh, batch of research has been debunked recently. And they said, no, it's actually your, the, ability, the self-control ability of your five-year-old self is not an indicator of how successful you're going to be in life. Thank goodness. It's not an indicator of how successful you're going to be in life. Whether or not you have any impulse control as a toddler doesn't determine whether or not you're going to be, you know, have impulse control as an adult. But I did think that it, it proved two things. One, it proved that all of us struggle with this. Like, I mean, it, kids can't hide it. It's on their faces. They cannot hide it. Adults will get a little bit better at hiding that as we get older. But I was just thinking, as we get older, the marshmallows just change. It's, you know, instead of the, I mean, I can resist a marshmallow for 15 minutes. But it's, it's like the new truck that I really want. I really want it now. I can't afford it now, but I really want it now. Or it's, you know, it's like, you know, the new job. I really want that now, even though I know that's going to take away from my family, but I really want that now. So it's, it, it just, it becomes something different. The other thing I think it shows is that all of us have the ability uh, to practice self-control. It's not some, uh, it's not a gift or a talent, like some innate skill, like, well, he was just born with the gift of self-control, and I don't have that gift, you know. He just, they just have that natural talent, and I don't have that. It's not, it's not that way at all. All of us have the ability. We may agonize over it. Uh, we may fret over it. it. It may be difficult for us. We may fail more times than we succeed, but all of us have the ability to practice self-control. And the reason I can say that with such confidence is because of what the Bible teaches us about self-control. And about any of these fruits of the Spirit. So last um, week, I read from Romans chapter 7. And I was reading that very famous passage in Romans 7 about how, you know, the things I want to do are the things that I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do are the things that I end up doing. You know, and Paul says in the message, it was like, uh, I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. I decide to do good, but then I can't really do it. I decide to, do, to not do bad, but then I do it anyway. And we're been around church for any length of time you're kind of probably familiar with that passage and we always read that passage in a very comforting way is like man I, thank goodness I'm not alone like somebody understands the battle that I'm going through and the, the good and evil that's fighting within me and uh, we usually read that and Paul says at the end kind of like you know I can't do it on my own you know I need help I, I can will this but I can't do it willpower is not enough self-discipline is not enough you know self-control is not enough and um he closes that chapter, and that's where I ended last week. I stopped at chapter 7, and I should have gone one more verse, just one more verse. Because this week, I read chapter 8, verse 1, and look at what it says. <clears throat> this is a, With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. I mean, think about that. Because I, I read Romans 7 and go... 
hey, man, that's just sin. I mean, it's just, that's exactly the way it is. You know, I, we do things that we don't want to do and all that. I mean, he goes through all that definition. You're like, hey, that's just the way it is. That's just life. That's just the way it is. What are you going to do about it? There's nothing you can do about it. There's no answer to it. There's no problem. There's no way you can solve that. There, and Paul says the very next verse, he says, the problem solved. Not through your willpower, not through your discipline, not through any of that. The problem is solved through Jesus Christ. And, and, he, and he goes on. Listen to this. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. What he's telling us is that Jesus forgives us of our past. Jesus, there's salvation in Jesus. He forgives us of our sins. But Jesus also helps us to not continue living in sin. He, and he does that through the Spirit. Like there's a new power at operation within us that these things that we didn't think were possible for us, like I'm just not good at self-control. I can't hold my tongue. I can't restrain my passions. I can't keep back my desires. I mean, like these things that we thought were impossible for us are now possible because we have the Spirit of God living in us in this power and operation within us. It's really not about self-control. It's really about spirit control. It's really about whether or not we're going to yield to the Spirit in those moments. And when we yield to the Spirit in those moments, we're able to do the things that we didn't think were possible to do. Look at this, and I, the message always confuses me because they have no verses, so I don't even know what verse this is. But later in this, he says this, Instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Like, it's, it's always about what, what, you know, I've just got to be better at this, and I've got to be better at this, and I've got to be better at this, and I've got to wash myself here, and I've got to do this, and I just need more discipline. And I, it just... The Spirit of God is living in us. And he talks about this a lot in Romans 7 and Romans 8 and in Galatians 5. The Spirit of God is living in us. And that same power that is available that rose Jesus from the dead is living in us. So we're able to do things that we didn't think were possible for us to do. We're able to have self-control in moments that we didn't think it was possible for us to have self-control. I I had a, a, a good friend tell me a story this week about like, you know, they went to a ball game somewhere and uh, the people behind them were being obnoxious because they were fans of the other team. And fans of the other team are always obnoxious. And uh, they were being obnoxious. And he's like, I didn't say anything. And then when their team took the lead, they were even more obnoxious. I didn't say anything. And then when our team took the lead, uh, I really, really wanted to say something, but I, I didn't say anything. And then when we left, I didn't say anything. And uh, I, I walked out of there feeling pretty good because I probably in the past would have said something. And I didn't say anything. And I thought, is, is that a moment of extreme willpower? Is that a moment of self-control? It's a moment of spirit control. Is it a moment in which somebody said, all right, you win this one, God. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my mouth shut. And, you know, I'm going I'm to yield myself to you. And this, is a, and this is a process that all of us go through, and it's a continual process. All right, this is not something, this is not like, yeah, it's a decision, but it's more than a decision, and, and it's more than a skill. Uh, Charles Dewing says, uh, it's it's not not just a skill. It's a it's a muscle. Like it's something you got to exercise. It's something you got to work at. Something, if you don't exercise your muscles, they get weak. So you you exercise these muscles of self control in order to continue getting stronger. Uh, one more passage I want to read to you, and then we're gonna we're gonna close with a word of prayer. Actually, Peggy's gonna lead us in a word of prayer. Um, in 
I don't have this one on the screen because we were trying to edit it right before and I, I messed it up and deleted it. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse, verse 3, just listen to this right here. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us according to his own glory and goodness. Um, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the part that got me in this text was, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, to me, implies progress, not perfection. That I'm trying, as a, as a Christian, I'm trying to continually yield to the Spirit of God in my life so that I will, increasing measure, I will have more self-control, and I will have more perseverance, and I will have more... Uh, godliness and I'll have more mutual affection I'll have more love I'm trying to yield to those things so it is a process that I'm continually going through as a believer to continually keep it it's a process of surrender I mean Caroline surrendered her life to Christ through baptism she's saved so now but that doesn't that that's like the surrender process doesn't like that's a one-time decision I've surrendered and I'm done it's a daily surrender it's a daily take up my cross and follow me. So there's a, there's a daily surrender that she's going to go, that the Spirit of God is now working in her life to daily surrender to these things so that I will be loving and kind and gentle and good and patient and joyful and faithful and self-controlled. So I want to uh, ask Peggy to close us in a word of prayer. She wants to tell you a little bit about the uh, women's retreat because that's coming up as well. And she's our speaker for that retreat. But I said, your main job is to pray for self-control. So I want you to pray over this message, Peggy, to close us. But then you can tell us a little bit about the uh, women's retreat as well. And then next week, what we got? Faithfulness? Gentleness? I think it's gentleness. I can't remember. I'll look it up. Uh, yeah, that'd be fine.